So conservatives are melting down again today. Okay, I'm sorry. When aren't they, though? (laughs) I mean, all the time. Before I get into the actual topic, I just want to go back to one of my favorites, which was when Tucker Carlson went on a, a whole rant about how at a cookie store, there was a gingerbread cookie that said gingerbread person. It just, it made me laugh so hard because what do you want to see on that gingerbread person? No, it's a gingerbread man. So you need to see You need co- to see a dick and balls on there? It needs like, its cookie dick to be there? Do I you... mean, that's kind of gay, Tucker, not going to lie. <laughs> Tucker, do you want that frosted? <laughs> so today's deal is Apple just recently announced that they are going to be including some more inclusive emoji in their next update. And one of those or two of those emojis are a pregnant man and a pregnant person. Hey, go Apple. Yeah. You've kind of impressed me recently. Pretty impressive. And this includes a lot of different skin tones uh, for a lot of their emojis, um, which is fantastic, and some other ways of expressing yourself. But this particular one is causing conservatives to have a complete meltdown right now. Some of the responses that I think are really interesting, I've got Sean Spicer up right now. In college, (laughs) I satisfied the science requirement by taking geology. Now I see what I missed. Those biology classes would have helped me explain the new pregnant man emoji. All right, Sean, hot take there, bud. Well, crazy, men can be pregnant? It's almost like trans people exist, guys. It's almost like trans people exist. And and that's the point. I mean, that's where, you know, of course, trans Twitter is just sort of laughing, going, all right, y'all, like, your whole biology argument that comes with this is just completely inane because you've missed a large segment of our society that is trans people. So I like the Apple ones. The Apple ones actually look like the people are pregnant. I'm looking at the Unicode ones, and they just like they're people with beer bellies. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, (laughs) the ones I'm looking at, I think these might be the same Unicode ones. They also have their eyes closed. I know. Is that the same one? It looks like... (laughs) Oh, I had a big burrito. (laughs) (laughs) I like, like mul- I, multi-use emojis, you know, oh, it's yeah, okay. No. And, you know, I, Unicode does a really good job of kind of standardizing the emojis, and so hopefully we'll start to see these kind of cross all of the, like, emoji lines. But, geez, Unicode, can you make them look less like they are <laughs> constipated or super bloated? Yeah, like they're in <laughs> pain. I think that's, uh, well, you know what, though? It just matches how in pain transphobes are right now. And I'm so excited to send people <laughs> pregnant person and pregnant man emojis. Oh, geez, I think that's going to be pretty sweet. That will be very fun. Hi, I'm Anna, a transgender person. And I'm Cam, your dad. And this is The Transgender, a podcast chronicling my transition. And a cisgender man learning how to support it. Rapid onset gender dysphoria. Now, trans people, stop, stop. Don't run away yet. I promise you, I hate Abigail Schreier as much as any trans person on the fucking face of this earth. But we gotta talk about her. Because she is, for whatever reason, the hill that conservative transphobes will die on now i'm going into this without knowing anything about abigail schreier so i'd love for you to maybe i know quite a bit about rapid onset gender dysphoria and the absolutely toxic conversation that that evolved into but who is abigail abigail schreier is the person who came up with the theory of rapid onset gender dysphoria and i'm going to call 
that a theory very loosely because it is not accepted by any medical standard, any professionals, at least any credible professionals, and is not backed by any scientific evidence. It is a theory that she publicized in her book, Irreversible Damage, which was published in 2020, where she attributes being transgender specifically in young trans men, a social contagion among, and I'm quoting the book here, high anxiety, depressive, mostly white girls who in the previous decades fell prey to anorexia, bulimia, or multiple personality disorder, which is not technically the correct term anymore. It is now DID for dissociative identity disorder. Well, and that alone just is a big knock on the credibility of this person, because if you can't even show me that you understand modern terminology for medicine and psychology, uh, I don't think I'm going to be taking anything seriously that you have to say. Well, exactly. And this whole concept that she came up with is flawed in so many ways and not backed by science. But the biggest issue that I think that she has is that she was taking not statements from trans people, statements from trans people's parents who were transphobic that she found on transphobic sites specifically talking about how they hated having trans kids, basically, and how they didn't agree, I say in quotes, with those kids. And so, like, all of this is just built on shit science and shitty perspectives. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it absolutely is. It's Again, there's so much going on right now about arming transphobes with pseudoscience so that they feel like they can go out into the world and be safe in their belief that there's only one man and one woman and that's how society is supposed to exist and not having any concept of the reality, the the reality that trans people exist. And even if trans people didn't exist, we've talked about many times before, there's not a gender binary. It's, it's, It's non-existent. It's a complete fallacy. Exactly. And just to continue the hill that Spotify is willing to die on, Abigail Schreier went on the Joe Rogan Experience, the podcast, in 2020, sparking outrage, of course. She compared the desire to transition a contagion and compared it with eating disorders and self-harm, like we've already discussed. She associated transgender youth with autism. And the last thing is, like, she... She did this in 2020. Her remarks sparked calls by Spotify employees for the Joe Rogan podcast to be removed from the platform, and they didn't. And we are seeing that whole fucking thing happening again right now with the fucking anti-vax shit. Well, and I just want to say, the anti-vax shit is what made the media, but we're talking about Jordan Peterson also recently being on Joe Rogan, and he is an absolute crackpot of a supposed psychologist who has has refused to, for instance, use the preferred pronouns of his trans students, and God. in his own classes has vocally opposed transgender human rights, believing that that they don't exist, that, that trans people don't exist, so therefore they don't deserve rights. This is, again, arming transphobes to dehumanize transgender people with this backing of these are supposed psychologists and experts in these fields. And so, of course, if you are transphobic and then you hear this, it just gives you that ammo to use against someone who's trans. So I think, dear listeners... What we want to prepare you for is how these conversations might go in your own lives. Don't listen to Abigail Schreier. Don't listen to any of these transphobes. They are all wrong, and you are valid in who you are, 
and you deserve to be exactly where you're at, if not further. We love and support you. Speaking of that love and support, let's get into our main topic of legally changing names, genders, and what else have you for your legal documentation and shit. Yeah, this was quite a process for you. I mean, I remember a lot of system navigation that you and I did together to try to figure out how to make this happen. And Uh, Still a lot of system navigation. I recently just had to go in and change my tax record information to match up with what is correct. What I would really like for you to do is just run us through a little bit of the background of this, because I I know there are some trans folks who listen to this show that would be interested in knowing what are your experiences with legally changing your name and your gender and, and what sort of pitfalls and euphoria come from making that happen. And and I guess maybe let's start with the basics. Why? Why change your name and gender legally? Support and documentation and backing are the three that I would give. And I can kind of go a little bit more into those of like, when you legally change your name and gender, you have the support of the government behind you. People who are transphobic and say, oh, well, you know, like, what's on your birth certificate or shit? Like, you could fucking whip out your birth certificate or whip out your license and say, no, 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 I am X gender or whatever. So that's sort of like the support of like, you have the governmental backing. Documentation. You have it documented that you are who you are and nobody can take that away from you. And it's so rare to feel like the government has your back at all. Exactly. I think in general, but especially as a trans person. Yeah. So uh, uh, t- seek that. Yeah. And so those two things especially are really helpful as a trans person fighting for your own rights and everything and just being recognized as who you are. Absolutely. I went through the process of changing my name and gender in Minnesota, which I know a lot of our listeners are listening from Minnesota. For those of you who are not in Minnesota, your local laws may vary and also do not take my advice here as legal advice. I'm not a lawyer. I don't have a law degree. Please, if you have any questions or anything, go talk to an actual attorney. They will be able to help you much more than this podcast can. Well, and I want to point you to a really specific resource, which is the National Center for Transgender Equality. They have an entire part of their site that is dedicated to law in general, but in particular, identity documents and privacy, uh, with a lot of really good resources for how to navigate these systems. I think the best thing for me was using websites like that and just kind of having experience with system navigation previously. I filed all of my own court documents, name change documents, what have you. It's not too complicated in Minnesota. You just need to make sure that you have everything and the clerks and everything know exactly what you need. So if you are missing something, they will tell you and you give you a chance to get it. So I applied, I think in December of 2020, And eventually got my court date for February 8th. So, wow, I'm almost coming up on an entire year. Yeah. That's insane. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, so I got my name changed and my gender changed in a virtual court. I had my father and one of my very good friends both be witnesses just to say she's not trying to defraud the government or anything here. And it was such a, I mean, I just want to say as the other person in the room of the three of us, the judge that you got was extremely caring. Oh, and he was so sweet. Just like the only question that he had was how you chose your name, which was out of curiosity because he really liked your name uh-huh. and not out of any kind of malice. Aside from that, just looked at you and then looked at me and, and our good friend who were there and said, well, seems like you've got people that love you and support you. <laughs> and exactly. it was really special. Yeah. It was really cool. No, I fucking cried. It was it was yeah. so important. I did too. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I don't say it lightly when I say that was one of the happiest days of my life. 
The process in Minnesota is really quite cool, especially for trans people, because in Minnesota, you can have your legal sex changed just with a court order or whatever, have your name changed, everything like that, and then you can have your original documents sealed. So my prior birth certificate, all of my prior records and everything are sealed under court order, which means that you need a subpoena to be able to access them. I don't even have access to them. Like, they are under lock and key by the courts, which is really, really cool. And is very helpful and protective for me, a trans person, who I eventually want to go and do things. And I do a podcast, and I don't want people looking up my old information or shit. That's really, that's really fucking cool. What Minnesota also has is the ability to put any information, regardless of legal documentation, other than names. Names you do have to have legal documentation for, but you can change your gender on your license. So in Minnesota, we have male, female, and X, which is really fucking cool. Do you like to save money? I know I do. That's why I've started using Upside. Upside is an app that gives you cash back on your everyday purchases. I personally save up to 22 cents per gallon on gas, and there are deals for up to 30% back at restaurants. And if you use our offer code, you can save an additional 15 cents per gallon on your first gas purchase and support the transgender while you're at it. Just go to Upside.com to get the app and use offer code Cameron 634 Nine three six. That's C A M E R O N six three four nine three six to get fifteen more cents off when you fill up your tank. Make your dollars go further with cash back from Upside. Along with that, it sounds like we're going to be able to have that on your passport as well. So an X marker is something that the Biden administration has felt really strongly about and is advocating for as well. So you know that's something that on the more national level that's really cool. Look forward to that, non-binary trans people. Woo! About the process for getting your name changed. Honestly, it's, like I said, it's not that challenging of a process. It just takes a lot of time, a lot of effort on your part. And a year later, I'm still working on trying to get everything changed over. It is such a fucking process. It's a lot of places that your name exists. And, exactly. you know, just <laughs> navigating, hey, let's start with Social Security, which is a completely <sighs> effed up system in and of itself I that get uh, to fucking social security because i have thoughts but yeah so at least in minnesota the way that you do is you fill out a form online take it to a court and then basically say hey i want to change my name and gender and whatever and they look at you and they say cool do you have everything and you won't because <laughs> they throw things at you that you had no idea about because they don't have it anywhere on the fucking website anyway so you gather all your documentation you gather any prior names that you have, whatever, and then you take it back and you say, okay, I think I've got everything. And they're like, okay. And they check it all over and they're like, yep, you've got everything. And then you go on your way. And then you get a call later from a court representative and they're like, hey, we're going to set your trial, or not your trial, your uh, court date. <laughs> it's not a criminal <laughs> you're being, proceeding. You're being tried for the crime of gender. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're going to set your court date for this day at this time. And for me, it was a virtual court date, and they were like, you have to have two people who know you to vouch for you, and 
basically. And if it was not virtual, it would be the same way. You'd, exactly. You'd have to drag two people to court. So it was kind of nice, at, you know, those those small wins in COVID times. It was nice for us to just be able to jump onto Zoom and, exactly. and be there to support you. I know that you were at work and my friend was in his room and I was like all dolled up at, in our dining room, which was very fancy. But yeah, no, it was such a good day. Once you get the order approved by the judge, which hopefully you don't have anything prohibiting that from you. I know that if you have a criminal record, it becomes a little bit more of a tricky situation. But once all of that goes through, then you get a birth certificate with your corrected information in the mail, at least in Minnesota. And so I got mine and I sent that off as well as my court order that was signed by the judge and my previous social security card to the social security administration and it took them i shit you not six months to get me my definitely six months and how scary to send your physical social security card oh yeah and then just not know where it is anymore oh yeah no they had everything i couldn't do jack shit if i if like they didn't give me those documents back i would be without anything pretty much thankfully they sent them back and I was on the phone with Social Security a dozen times, at least, trying to just figure out how to do this process because they were always like, oh, well, you're at the top of the list. And then it'd be a month and I'd call back and they're like, oh, well, you got pushed to the bottom of the list, but you're back on top now. I'll do it right. Like, I'll do it right now. And I'm like, are you? Eventually I got this very sweet lady who was like, I called her and I was super pissed. And I was like, listen, I need my Social Security card. My license is about to expire and I need to get a new one. And she was like, oh, no problem. I'll do it right now for you. On the fucking phone, she did it. And I was like, what is the problem? Like, why couldn't any, why couldn't anybody else have done this for me? Mm-hmm. I swear. When I finally got that changed, it took another six weeks for the goddamn card to come in. And then I went to the DMV and tried to switch over my license. And that took another six months to get sent to me because of all the administrative issues and shit. Like, I understand COVID has been an issue for a lot of governmental services and everything. But y'all, you need to get your shit together. Like, <laughs> I should not be waiting a fucking year on documentation. Well, and, you know, I, I mean, let's say somebody from any of these government agencies is listening. We understand these are COVID times and everything is backed up. And, you know, it's I, I hope this is a little different than what an experience would be in a normal time. That being said, the lack of communication and oh, yeah. the just kind of hoops that you were put through and how many times you were told, oh, it's getting done, it's being processed. I mean, it took a whole year from just when you were starting to deal with the original name change, gender change issues to when you finally got a copy of your driver's license that you could show an employer and say, no, this is my real name now. Exactly. Well, I was walking around with my fucking paper one. And in that time frame, I think I'd gone through like two or three different employers. And so they would all fucking be like, well, do you have your physical ID? And I'm like, I do not. This is all that I have because they will not send it to me. And I think I actually got it, like, December of last year is when I actually fucking got my license finally. And it was right I was I was going down to Rochester, Minnesota to do all of my intake stuff for my new employment. I was like, oh, thank God I actually have it. <laughs> such good timing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I, I really hope that my experience is not the experience that most people have. God, it really feels like I got fucked over left, right, and sideways with how much of the runaround I was having to be put through. 
Well, can I just share with you, I think this is important because I, I wanted you to talk about this process because I think it's going to be challenging regardless of where you live, but uh, there's something to be grateful for in living in Minnesota. So I want to share with you two that I've pulled up. So a lot of states uh, in the U.S. require that a physician sign off that you have received a surgical procedure specific to gender reassignment in order to have a birth certificate change. Mm-hmm. And um, in Georgia, that was one of the ones I decided to pull up, that happens, but you also receive a birth certificate that doesn't show a marked as amended. So it is a new birth certificate. There's not a seal option that I can see from the law here. So mm-hmm. again, there's some precariousness, but there's also sort of the, okay, at least it's a new birth certificate. Arizona, though, requires either a, they're they're calling it in their law, sex change operation, okay, and or a chromosomal count that establishes the sex of the person is different than their original certificate, which, as we talked about last week, is extremely problematic as a non-scientific measure for gender. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I'm very happy that I live in Minnesota and I was able to get this changed in Minnesota because I, I did have to have a doctor sign off um, saying that, you know, I have gender, I have gender dysphoria. And that a name change is going to be beneficial to my care as a person, which, side note, shouldn't be necessary. Just saying, you know, you can go and get married and change your name and not have a doctor sign off on it, but whatever. Or a psychologist. Or a psychologist. <laughs> might be necessary for some people. I, uh... <laughs> yeah, you know what? Anytime you have to change your name, now you have to go and get a psychologist to sign off on it. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, I'm very happy that I live in Minnesota for those very reasons. I am so disappointed in Arizona, especially for that chromosome comment, because as we know, that does not, that's not an accurate thing. Everybody would be super confused if they got their chromosomes read. Like, that's not a scientific way of accurately determining somebody's sex. And the last thing I want to say about Arizona that I think is just disturbing, and, you know, I hope we can have nationwide advocacy for some standards, your birth certificate becomes amended. And oh. so it's it's now an amended birth certificate. So anybody who can access this as a public record is able to see that there was a change made from whatever gender you had assigned to whatever gender is now applicable on your birth certificate. And so that's uh, extremely problematic as extremely. you are navigating a safe life for yourself. Yeah, no, that's another thing that I very much appreciate about Minnesota is that I got a fully new birth certificate. Like, my old one was sealed. That one does have an amended mark on it, but my new one is completely new, and it's got all the same information as my previous one, just with the corrected information, because, you know, I'm not... The one that I was received as a child is incorrect, and so, you know, yeah. we have to change it, make it correct. At the end of the day, I mean, I just want to reflect, it seems like, despite... What a challenging process this was. It feels worth it for the euphoria that you receive in being able to have documents that actually show who you are. Well, and just not seeing my dead name everywhere. Like, yeah. I, I especially struggle so much with my dead name. And I know that I'm not alone in that. But, like, my dead name itself can send me into an entire week of dysphoria and psychological hell. And just knowing that I don't need to see it anymore is really, is really, really fucking helpful. So for me, it's even much, it's, it's that much more important to me. I, I do think that the euphoria 
that I receive is maybe not as great as the relief of the dysphoria that I was experiencing. So, you know, like, keep that in mind, too. It's not going to be a change that you're going to be like, oh, I'm super fucking happy about that for, you know, the rest of time. Like, it's it's not going to necessarily be that. But what I can say is that it's relieved a lot of dysphoria off my chest and shoulders. So, spit in one hand, wish in the other, right? <laughs> <laughs> An idiom. You never use idioms. <laughs> well, while we're talking about euphoria, we got our first user-submitted euphoric uh, comment today, and um, I want to make Thank sure you. that I, uh, I read it exactly as Sean had submitted it to us. Thank you, Sean. Thank you so much, Sean. Sean is on our short list of uh, future guests, uh, if he is willing to join us here, and he commented on our page saying, the first time using a prosthetic was an extremely euphoric time for Sean, and I don't know if this is a, a recent thing or if this was just reflecting back on the very first time that Sean had a prosthetic, but uh, we're proud of you, buddy. You are just an amazing and and inspirational part of of why we do this podcast and have been our greatest supporter for this. So I, I was excited to be able to read out loud uh, your comment today. Thank you so much. And congrats on your recent anniversary um, with being outwardly trans. I don't remember if it was 10 years or some number in between that and five but congratulations <laughs> on that too that's huge it, it's so it you know we just need more incredible trans advocates like yourself out there yeah if you're not following the uh, trans plus minnesota page get there that's uh, a wonderful source of resource for for trans folks and allies alike we will link them in the episode description and i will personally put out a post shouting them out on instagram um so please go and follow them they are fantastic if you have questions about transitioning or supporting someone who is transitioning and you'd like to talk to a spot on the show, please shoot an email to questions at transgenderpod.com or shoot us a DM. We love social media. Be sure to check out our episode descriptions for links to resources on today's topics, specifically Trans Plus Minnesota and Abigail Schreier. Thanks for listening. I've been Cam. I've been Anna. And this has been The Transgender. Love you all, except the biggest, and Abigail.